The genesis of this money was coming from billionaire tycoons that are ultimately tied to the PLA and to organized crime in Canada. Dean Baxendale is the publisher of Optimum Publishing International, which has been at the forefront of exposing Chinese communist infiltration in the West. Between 20 and 30 percent of all the deadly fentanyl that is killing Americans is coming through Vancouver. Precursors coming from Guangdong province. Most recently, Optimum is publishing The Mosaic Effect, how the Chinese Communist Party started a hybrid war in America's backyard. According to my intelligence and journalistic sources, they suggest that as many as seven writings were turned by the Chinese Communist Party in our last election. This is American Thought Leaders, and I'm Yanya Kellek. Dean Baxendale, such a pleasure to have you on American Thought Leaders. Thank you, Jan. It's a pleasure to be here in Washington today. Dean, it's really high time that I had you on the show. You know, you've published a number of really, really hard-hitting books, of course, on China and the Chinese Communist Party, Hidden Hand, Willful Blindness. The one that most recently we were looking at is the one by Scott McGregor, The Mosaic Effect, which is actually coming out fairly soon. Why don't we talk about The Mosaic Effect and some of the really interesting things you discovered in the process of researching this book. Yeah, and, and, and actually it goes back to the 2018 provincial election in Ontario, where the then leader of the opposition, the progressive conservative leader, Patrick Brown, had spoken in the legislature asking why the Ontario government was awarding billion dollar contracts to a casino operator from British Columbia that seemed to have a rather suspect business model. In fact, there were numerous reports by Sam Cooper at that time with, with the Global News and the province, et cetera, that was showing hockey bags full of cash with no providence whatsoever, coming into the casino, getting trip chips, and then when they would leave, they would cash out with a cashier's check and hence that may end up in some kind of real estate. So uh, P Sam Cooper, uh, I contacted him and we started talking about uh, transnational organized crime. Uh, Optimum Publishing had been involved since the 1970s uh, on bringing forward these narratives about organized crime, the heroin uh, business, the Canadian Connection, which we published uh, back in the 70s. Um, and that's where it all started. Okay, so what is the Mosaic Effect? So the Mosaic Effect book and the genesis of the Mosaic Effect was the Mosaic Project. The Mosaic Project really was an operation uh, being conducted by my authors really to get a better understanding um, of the connections between transnational organized crime, threat terror financing, the People's Liberation Army, election interference operations, and uh, ultimately, uh, in many cases, money being used uh, to suppress the China diaspora communities throughout Canada. But the genesis of this money was coming from billionaire tycoons that are ultimately tied to the PLA and to organized crime in, in Canada. So you have a backdrop, interestingly enough, that led the authors to do a deep investigation. We'll call it potentially a counterintelligence uh, operation. Uh, that allowed them to really look at the United Front and all of its various tentacles uh, in Vancouver, which we, which the authors suggest is ground zero for the infiltration operations of the Chinese Communist Party 
into the backyard of America to wage hybrid war against America. Okay, I really want to dig into that further. But before we go there, there's been a lot of talk about election interference in Canada. Break it down for me. The election interference, which involved uh, here in Washington today, Michael Chong, MP, uh, came to Washington to speak about transnational repression against him and the election inf interference operations, uh, WeChat disinformation that took place in the 2021 uh, election. There are a number of conservative MPs targeted by the Chinese Communist Party, uh, especially because of uh, the then leader, Aaron O'Toole, had taken a very, very strong stance on China and trying to combat China's coercive uh, operations inside Canada, identifying the issues. Well, the Chinese Communist Party doesn't like anybody to speak out against them. So they ran WeChat campaigns on a number of MPs, including MP from the West Coast in Richmond, Kenny Chu, Alice Wong, uh, and these campaigns, uh, which the Conservative Party was not prepared or, or equipped in which to combat in the China, uh, China, Chinese languages, uh, ultimately led to the defeat of multiple MPs. Uh, according to my intelligence and journalistic sources, they suggest that as many as seven ridings were turned by the Chinese Communist Party in our last election. Um, that then led to Sam Cooper releasing a bombshell report that suggested that an MP, Han Dong, in Toronto was involved with part of the uh, funneling of money to various candidates in, in the Toronto area as part of the election interference operation. And this was corroborated by uh, Bob Fife and Stephen Chase from the Globe and Mail as well. That's astonishing. It's astonishing, but listen, according to Michelle Junot Katsuya, who is the former uh, head of Asia Pacific for, for the Canadian Security Intelligence uh, Service, uh, CSIS, um, said that this has been going on for 40 years. And when we, you know, when you came here, when we came here to Washington in March and you interviewed Scott, we talked about Operation Dragonlord, which was uh, an operation done by the uh, by the Department of Justice, which was a multi-agency uh, ta multi, uh, task force that looked into the nexus, the what we call the unholy trinity, uh, and this then this connection between organized crime uh, and the Chinese Communist Party and key officials slash business and political elites inside Canada, Australia, and even the United States. But they were focused on Canada at the time. So election interference slash, uh, you know, has been going on for over 40 years in Canada. As Michelle Juno Katsuya, you know, uh, said uh, to the CBC, uh, every prime minister from Brian Mulroney to Justin Trudeau has been compromised by agents of influence of the Chinese Communist Party for 40 plus years. And when the CBC reporter repeated that, she was gobsmacked in this assertion. And he went to say, yes, every single prime minister. So the question is that people getting close to the prime minister, those could be ministerial aides, they could be uh, agents of influence, contributors to the party. Money has come into Canadian elections, directly into the political parties, both of them, the conservatives and the liberals, and have ultimately compromised our election process for that many years.
So we'll actually roll that clip. Every prime minister, you say, has been compromised Every by those agents. Every prime minister. Every government, every office was compromised. And when we brought the, the warning, nobody listened. And I remember watching it and just being shocked by it. Not so much about what he was saying, because we both know how the Chinese Communist Party operates, but more so just that he said it on live television, which, you know, this is something that has been kind of unspeakable for decades. And one of the reasons why they have been unspeakable and, and is because uh, Michel Juno Katsuya, as does Scott McGregor, find themselves under the Official Secrets Act in Canada. And until something becomes public and is exposed, they, don't have, they have no ability in which to talk about it because they're under their duty and obligation to protect national security and intelligence apparatus secrets within the country. So this provided an, a rare opportunity for somebody to come out and confirm that indeed these kinds of operations were being conducted by the Chinese Communist Party to undermine our democracy. So in the mosaic effect, you're bringing in some new information, stuff that I don't even know about as we're recording here. What can we expect? What you're going to expect and what you're going to see is the most comprehensive analysis of the United Front operations inside Canada. The two centers of gravity in Toronto and Vancouver, um, how these uh, operations are working, both from um, election interference to, uh, to uh, transnational repression of the diaspora community, to economic subversion, the, um, the purchase and acquisition of critical assets within the country. Uh, you will see a situation of the compromise of the mayor of Vancouver. Uh, you will see new information about the government's complicity in the police station apparatus uh, with memorandums of understanding between the RCMP and uh, the Chinese Communist Party that allowed uh, MSS agents to uh, repatriate, shall we say nicely, uh, a number of Chinese dissidents uh, as opposed to the idea being that these were, uh, the idea was they were repatriating criminals, but that's not the case. So I just want to clarify that for people that might not be familiar with the RCMP. You're basically telling us that the federal police, the Canadian federal police, had an understanding with Chinese Communist Party security services to repatriate people based on the word of those security services. They said they were criminals. The reality was they were, you know, whatever the MSS said they were. Yeah, I, I, so uh, under the, uh, the Harper administration, which was very much a law and order, um, you know, uh, government, um, this made sense when the Chinese Communist Party came calling to suggest that you have these bad criminals inside your country. Uh, we need to repatriate them. We need to, you know, locate them inside Canada and you should uh, therefore, um, you know, extradite them, uh, allow us to bring them back to China to face charges, etc. Uh, that seemed like a win-win proposition, um, but as we, you know, as Ambassador Guy Saint-Jacques, you know, later discovered that there was a lot more going on behind the scenes, uh, and of course, you know, in the case of my own author, Dolkin Issa, who will be, you know, launching his book, The uh, China Freedom Trap, My Life on the Run. 
he was under a Interpol red notice for 21 years, sponsored by the Chinese Communist Party, under absolutely garbage claims. There was no, and so we see this, and the Canadian government fell prey, as did many governments around the world. This is spoken by uh, safeguard defenders, have uh, brought a lot of attention to these issues around this. Uh, but we speak about the MOU specifically in the book, which will be somewhat revelatory uh, for many Canadians and the world to understand just the level of participation that we had with the Chinese Communist Party until we started to figure out that this were, there was something much more, much more sinister to their repatriation of supposed criminals from China. How is it that, you know, people, and this is, wasn't purely in Canada, but I'm just, you know, you may be more familiar with the Canadian story, but how is it that the Canadian government, the established, the Canadian establishment, imagine Chinese Communist Party agents to be good faith actors? Because clearly that would be an assumption that you would need to make to have this kind of agreement? Um, first, you'd have to, have to actually admit that there, you know, that there was agents inside the country. Uh, I think that you know, the idea of setting up police uh, stations, which ultimately involved the Ministry of State Security, or MSS, uh, inside the country, seemed to have some logic to law enforcement at the time. The establishment certainly went along with it um, because it was in their best interest, and there was also potential financial remuneration. So all of a sudden the deal was going to be that 50% of the assets recovered would be shared with the government. So now there's a financial windfall for the government for agreeing to go along with this. In the case of my author Dole Kinesa had when he was captured, uh, I believe in, in Korea, and was potentially going to be extradited, he would have faced death. That is what this regime is about. They are evil, and I, I, you know, I hate to see what the outcomes are for some of those people. And I, you know, look at all of the f great work that you know people in the Hong Kong Freedom Movement, in the Tibet Movement, in the Uyghur Movement uh, are doing to bring you know light to these issues and tell the world that this is an egregious, atrocious regime that has no place on the world stage, and in part because of their influence in global agencies. It gave them also cover when they went to national governments to say, well, listen, Interpol says that this person's, you know, uh, you know, a criminal, et cetera. So they've used the institutions at the international and national levels to influence them to get their way. So people often forget that the actual head of Interpol, who was a Chinese national, was actually disappeared in China while still head of Interpol. I, I can't believe I just said that, but that happened. It did indeed. And, you know, it speaks to Xi Jinping and this particular uh, regime that, you know, individuals that somehow run afoul with the regime are going to be accountable uh, to Xi Jinping and the, you know, the upper echelons of the, of the Politburo. Uh, and ultimately they will disappear individuals who, uh, who, shall we say, have transgressions that uh, ultimately uh, the powers that be are not uh, interested in condoning nor supporting. But basically the Chinese regime said, you know, we, this person is so trustworthy as to be given the job of the head of Interpol. Of Interpol. Yep.
What's, what, what's more astonishing is that, is that nation states, democratic states, who are part of the decision-making process in terms of who they hire for that position, not only condoned but supported bringing in um, you know, the top guy from the Chinese Communist Party. I, I, you know, that flabbergasts me in of itself that we have found ourselves falling prey um, to the trappings of, uh, of the Chinese Communist Party and their influence operations within these organizations and within the nations um, that we've allowed them to run amok and ultimately control the destiny. And ultimately, in the case of Interpol, which is one of the most important uh, international agencies for looking at criminal activity and the worst of the worst, that we're allowing them to make judgment and pass judgment about individuals that uh, may have spoken out truth to power against uh, a, a, um, a nation state like China, Russia, North Korea, and all of a sudden they're on the list and being hunted down. Imagine being on the list for Dolkin Issa for 21 years. As a matter of fact, when he went to Taiwan just this past week, he was actually, it took um, some intervention by the Ministry of, uh, of State in, 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 uh, in uh, Taiwan to get him into the country because that was still hanging over his head. Mm. I mean, yeah, it, it, I was going to say absolutely astonishing, but of course it isn't. But, but thinking back at that, it's just, it's amazing. Well, I'm, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that he got in and... Uh, and hopefully that, that notice can be removed off of his record at some point. I just remembered also, you know, we've talked about Twitter censorship um, a lot on this show. Um, you yourself, your account or your, your, your publishing house's account was censored a while back. Tell me about that. Yeah, so this, this happened when, uh, when we brought out uh, Willful Blindness by Sam Cooper. Uh, and that he had been on a podcast in Vancouver where we where is ground zero for the Chinese Communist Party infiltration operations and uh, hybrid warfare. Um, and he had been on this podcast and people within the, you know, the UFW and Beijing did not like what he was saying and it was being promoted. All I did was simply promote this free and fair interview with my author and I was targeted by the Chinese, by the UFW, and ultimately uh, seven accounts of mine were taken, taken down, suggesting that the content that I was promoting was uh, not in the best interests of the Twitter policies. Um, we believe this was actually done by the UFW and actually uh, a senator, sitting senator, was part of this. Who came out against Canadian senator, right? Senator yes, Yuen Pao, who has right. come out against uh, Sam Cooper uh, and sp and done a number of editorials along with other Chinese Communist Party apparatchiks uh, to ultimately suggest that what we were saying was lies, that we were racist, um, that the information we're bringing out tying the transnational organized crime to business tycoons, UFW people. Uh, speaking on behalf of Beijing or working directly for them, uh, that these were all lies. Well, of course, we come two years later, and it's not all lies. But they censored my accounts. It took U.S. journalists to get on board and start exposing that, including NTD, who had a great interview uh, on this issue. Uh, and after about a week, they finally reinstated my accounts, but you know, gave me a warning that should I engage in such activity again uh, in promoting false narratives that I would be censored. 
well, I haven't been censored since, but um, it was in, uh, you know, it was because the journalistic community came to our defense that we were able to get our accounts reinstated. Yeah, and I think this was pre-Elon Musk's purchase. Correct. Yes, of it was. The, of this the was in 2021. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, I mean, uh, so have you had any other brushes with censorship? So. Sam Cooper, after we published Wolf of Blind this first time, first time around, uh, CSIS, the, again, Canadian Security Intelligence Service, uh, contacted him um, and for a briefing uh, specifically around the release of the book and the effect that the book was having uh, on creating a narrative that the Chinese Communist Party was clearly not happy with uh, in Canada. Uh, and they started an operation to collect information on Sam Cooper and myself and to see if we were aligned with the five poisons. In other, other words, working with the Felon uh, Dafa, uh, Taiwan, uh, Hong Kong, the Uyghurs, and Tibetans. And, you know, am I working with them as a publisher? Well, I'm representing all those viewpoints through the authors, Benedict Rogers, Dolkin Issa, um, you know, uh, Clive Hamilton, Marecki Olberg, who have published uh, along all these issues. So the answer is yes, I guess I am aligned to the five poisons. Uh, what I'm actually aligned to is freedom of religion, uh, freedom of expression, uh, freedom of democracy, uh, and that is what we should be supporting. And, and yet our legislators in Canada the United States and around the world have been slow to come to the table to actually put the safeguards in place for people like Sam Cooper as a journalist and myself as a publisher being attacked using lawfare to uh, silence us. And as the chair of the China Democracy Fund, who worked on the Professor Anne Marie's case, which basically she was being censored by our university based on a UFW uh, proxies who were professors, uh, in in uh, New Zealand universities, um, you know, we had to fight back very hard. So the Chinese Communist Party, no matter what, is going to put out as much as they can to disenfranchise, to silence, um, and to keep their critics in check. But the reality is, is that now we've moved a couple of years forward. We've created the platform. Uh, I would say not that the gig is up, China's redoubling all of their efforts all the time, but ultimately now people in Congress, people in Parliament in Canada, in the UK, throughout the world are very much aware of these tactics and see through them now, whereas a few years ago they did not. And I'll direct uh, our viewers to American Thought Leaders interviews both with Sam Cooper and Scott McGregor. We were talking about you know, some of the early work around Mosaic Effect. You know, you mentioned that your publishing house, you're already publishing sort of hard-hitting stuff in the 70s. So how, how did you get into all this? <laughs> so, you know, um, you know, my father was in the publishing business uh, starting in the 70s. He, uh, he worked uh, for what was called a, a weekend magazine, which was the um, uh, weekly uh, magazine that was in every newspaper across the country back in the in the 70s and early 80s. Uh, he was the managing director of that. He started Optimum Publishing, uh, and the focus of Optimum at the time was around national politics, uh, the environment. Uh, we did everything from cookbooks, uh, social issues, public policy issues, uh, but organized crime and true crime was one of the key areas that my father specialized in. 
And uh, so that started, uh, you know, in the 70s with the Canadian Connection. And interestingly enough, the Canadian Connection, uh, which was part of the, uh, the movie of the French Connection, is the back end of the heroin trafficking business that ultimately most of it was being filtered through Montreal not getting through New York because there was too many issues with the unions, they didn't have control over them. In Montreal, they had con complete control of the ports, the heroin was, heroin was flowing in, and then went to the United States through those ports. Um, so that's how we kind of got started in that, and uh, you know, into these hard-hitting kinds of uh, books, um, and so that's what Optimum had specialized in. Uh, and then when I took over, you know, when my father left the company to me after his passing, he suggested that, you know, I should do this because I can afford to be a publisher. And he gave the rest of the money to my siblings. So, uh, and in that tradition, in that vein, one of the key things he told me about, you know, um, publishing about organized crime is that organized crime members love to read about themselves. They love the notoriety. Um, and, uh, and so it, it's fair game for you to publish about them because I really like it. I said, well, what's the downside? He said, uh, well, the only downside is if you spell their name wrong. I said, well, what happens then? Well, then they'll kill you. And so it was a bit of a joke, but, uh, you know, they threatened one of, it, one of my, one of his authors. I think they shot his author just as a warning. Um, but uh, in an upcoming book with, uh, with Gary Clement called um, uh, uh, Undercover, uh, Inside the RCMP and Organized Crime, Gary recounts the fact that the Hell's Angel put a hit out on him. And he kind of, you know, being a cop that he was, nonchalantly kind of deals with it, goes to the clubhouse and says, you guys want to, you know, you guys want to come after me, you're coming after the whole force. And basically they removed the, 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 the hit from him right away. But, you know, um, there's always a relationship between organized crime and police. And there's obviously a lot of things that go on. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it, it, the, the police have a really, really tough job, especially in Canada these days, in terms of combating these organized crime groups, because ultimately it's all about the money, and it's all about the money laundering operations, and they're moving billions of dollars through real estate uh, and banks inside Canada, around the world. Canada has, you know, uh, as Sam Cooper pointed out, over $100 billion a year is laundered in Canada. Uh, by organized crime. And that also includes some very nefarious terrorist groups. And there is an actual association, as Scott McGregor points out in the Mosaic Effect, between organized crime and terrorists. Uh, it didn't, no one believed in, 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 in the security and intelligence apparatus in America that that could possibly take place. But they were in the Middle East. He was part of a a joint kind of forces operation with the U.S. and they proved this out. And so um, it's very scary for us to safeguard freedom and democracy when we have criminals helping to facilitate the transactions uh, and operations that may undermine our very democracy. Right. Uh, well, alongside right, alongside terrorists and so forth. Yes. I mean, I was th I've been thinking about Venezuela as you're talking. I'm thinking about Venezuela. Which has kind of made itself into a kind of a haven for, for money from all the most illicit yes. regimes, right? Whether it's yeah, Iran I mean, or, I, yeah. I think there there are. You don't think of Canada. 
I guess that's what I'm saying, right? You think of you think no, of Venezuela. No, we don't because you know. As I, but I, as I've been coming to Washington for the past couple of years, I've been emphasizing the fact that you know Canada is your problem. You know, Canada is the conduit and the uh, success apparatus and mechanism. Uh, Vancouver being ground zero for the hybrid war against America. Uh, and 25, you know, between 20 and 30 percent of all the deadly fentanyl that is killing Americans is coming through Vancouver. Precursors coming from Guangdong province under the full guise and understanding of the Chinese Communist Party. In fact, in the book, in Wolf of Blindson, we talk about Mosaic Effect as well. The RCMP asked for help from the Chinese Communist Party. And this was during the Meng Wanzhou incident. Basically, they turned a blind eye. We're not going to do anything. In other words, we're helping to facilitate the reverse opium war against the world. And they're using, they're using it to destabilize and undermine democracies yet again. 100,000 people dying from opioid fentanyl overdoses directly could, that are, could be controlled and stopped by the Chinese Communist Party. And the fact that, uh, you know, we have very little ability in which to interdict and, and stop the flow of these precursors coming into uh, North America, Mexico, Canada, uh, and in Vancouver is the distribution point for many of these going back actually to Asia. They don't, they don't manufacture there for, the supply comes out of Vancouver going back to Japan, Australia, New Zealand, et cetera. So it's, 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 it's big business, there's a lot of money uh, involved, and um, you know uh, you can die with that $20 pill that you purchase on the street. Well, and given the relationship between the CCP and organized crime, that flow could be stopped in an instant. Absolutely. As, we under, as I understand it. Yes, it could be. But there's no, there's no willingness, and it, it forms part of another tentacle of the hybrid warfare strategy by the Chinese Communist Party, ultimately, to destabilize uh, democracies around the world. So tell me a bit about what the China Democracy Fund is doing. So the China Democracy Fund was uh, formed by a number of academics, uh, uh, some journalists, uh, editors, publishers, uh, former academics, uh, some politicians, uh, in first in defense of Professor Anne-Marie Brady's case uh, where she was being censured ostensibly by her university in uh, the University of Canterbury in, uh, in uh, New Zealand. And, uh, By the way, for writing on magic weapons of, cor and uh, Chinese op influence over Communist Party influence operations. Correct. Yeah. It was yeah. uh, called uh, her paper with a pen in one hand and a gun in the other. And ultimately, this was about uh, ac academia in New Zealand transferring uh, sensitive uh, information or military secrets with respect to weapons systems off to the Chinese military through universities doing research uh, in New Zealand. And so she was calling out the uh, calling out those professors and what was going on inside of New Zealand. Um, and so that's where sort of the genesis of the China Democracy Fund happened. And most recently I've been working on uh, the case for Daniel Sudani who was the deposed premier of Malaita province from the Solomon Islands. We know that Solomon Islands ostensibly has been taken over by the PRC uh, and the Sogavari government ultimately um, is a puppet government of the Chinese Communist Party. And I've written about this in the Sunday Guardian uh, in, in Delhi um, before and uh, I'm working with those people hopefully to support their bid to uh, put more democratic 
democracy, uh, ethically-based individuals back into their parliament in the Solomon Islands next time around. Hopefully that takes place in April of next year. The Prime Minister had stopped the elections because he said we have to do the uh, Pacific Games, which is highly sponsored by uh, by China, and Saudi Arabia recently came through with an $8 million, I believe, donation um, to those games. Um, but China controls the infrastructure. It is, a, it is actually a microcosm of what we call the Vancouver uh, model for money laundering operations and how they infiltrated uh, the Solomon Islands through influence operations, bribes, etc. It's a classic example just showing itself quite you know, readily there in the islands. So what's next for you in Optimum Publishing? Oh, I, I think, you know, we're, you know, first of all, we've got a lot of work ahead of us. Our authors, you know, um, uh, who have come to us, you know, recently um, are looking to bring their stories uh, globally. So I'm working on the, in the global, um, you know, political environment uh, in London, here in Washington, in New York, uh, to bring these very, very important stories forward. Whenever anybody is questioning or, you know, truth to power and ultimately trying to challenge uh, the convention uh, and oftentimes people's voices who have been silenced they'll come to Optimum because you know, we're willing to work with them, take the risks together to bring their stories forward. I'm not brave, it's the people that I work for, which ultimately are my authors, to bring their stories forward because they have all the, the stories, the incidents, uh, the oppression against them, uh, or in the case of the organized crime, et cetera, exposing these types of things so that uh, global leaders and citizens can understand what's going on behind the scenes. Well, Dean Baxendale, it's such a pleasure to have had you on. Jan, thank you so much for having me. Thank you all for joining Dean Baxendale and me on this episode of American Thought Leaders. I'm your host, Jan Jekielek. Mm -hmm.